At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Online, especially in the last three, three years with COVID, this is part of our ecosystem, right? It's part of the professional landscape and it's where people look for things, right? It's where your clients are. And so you have to be there as well. Otherwise you're missing out. Why did I become an executive coach? I saw lots of great people fail to get ahead at work while their much less talented peers blew right past them. That made me furious, but also curious. What were great people getting wrong? It came down to helping them re-examine what drove success and then helping them make critical shifts one hard truth at a time. Feel like you're doing everything you were told, but you're not moving ahead at work nor having the impact you seek? Then welcome to 97% Effective with Michael Winderoff, where we skip feel-good, happy talk and engage experts in pointed conversations about what it really takes to move the needle at work and your career. So if you feel stalled or frustrated or seek that extra edge as you move to the next level, then look no further. This is the hard truths playbook you never got. Hi, I'm Michael, and you're listening to 97% Effective. You are great. You're smart, talented, and expert in something. But that doesn't seem to be translating into other people seeking you out for your expertise. Or when they do, being willing to pay you or pay you handsomely for it. This is exactly what my guest today, Marie Incontrera, former starving artist, experienced herself. But Marie did something about it, and she became a six-figure-plus entrepreneur who now helps others do the same. Marie helps others find their voice and leverage their expertise to build an online presence to help them build their businesses and extend their impact. Now, for those of you out there who think building an online presence, oh, that's easy, or have tried it themselves, myself included, it's not that easy. Or maybe it is, you just need to know where to focus. So again, that's why I've invited Marie, CEO of Incontrera Consulting, four times author, keynote, and TEDx speaker, a very interesting TEDx speaker, we'll talk about that in a minute, to join us today. We're going to learn about her personal path, which I think is very inspiring, and hopefully bust some myths and get you realistically thinking about whether building a stronger online presence is right for you. Marie, welcome to 97% Effective. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm really excited to talk to you. Awesome. Let's dive in. And I'm just going to say it up front. You delivered that TEDx talk, or you've delivered multiple TEDx talks, but that one that I saw, you were on roller skates. I think you were the only person who has ever done that. Just what was the backstory there? How'd that, how'd that happen? 
So I'm, I'm actually not the only person that's done that. I think two or three other people have done that. Um, I was playing roller derby at the time when I was kind of getting into helping people leverage their expertise, what was special about them. And I had gotten a few people booked on TEDx stages and more people wanted it. So I figured, okay, it's time for me to learn to walk my talk, right? So I applied to a couple of TEDx's and the the second idea that I had that I had was to do my talk on skates because I was I was playing roller derby and it was affecting my life in certain ways. So I wanted to talk about that. So that's why I did my talk on roller skates. <laughs> so you literally skate your talk. If we use that uh, instead of walk your talk, you skate your talk. Exactly. I, I will say though that um, I didn't do any any skating during the actual talk because the rug, the red rug that's on the on the TEDx stage was not secured to the to the stage. So it was actually dangerous for me to try <laughs> skating. So I'm just standing there in my in my in my gear. Um, but it's it's a good story. Okay. Well, I'm glad you were attentive to that because you have helped so many people um, and that I'm glad that you did not get injured uh, back then. Thank you. Okay. So there's probably even more that we could dive into, but I want to go into your personal path. You did literally go from starving, Mm -hmm. but talented, and we're talking, you know, jazz musician who played in Lincoln Center, um, but wasn't getting paid for it to six-figure entrepreneur. Um, If you had to boil this down, Um, because I know that there was some iteration that went on we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. What was the key inflection point that took you from those two extremes? So uh, somebody we both know, Dory Clark, who is a very good friend of mine who I know for many, many years, um, she texted me one day and I was actually at my very worst day job. You know, I I had to do a lot of things to make ends meet when I was a jazz musician. I was at my very worst day job. It was one of the most miserable work experiences I had ever had. And she texted me and she said, I have an idea for you. I think you should quit your job and become a virtual assistant. And I kind of (laughs) looked and said, what? (laughs) You know, and who else but Dory Clark could say, quit your job and then have the, the plan to back it up and the answers to it. And you know, people say that all the time, quit your job. Um, (laughs) and it doesn't work out, right. You know, you say you stay in your job because you need to pay the bills. And, but anyway, um, I listened, you know, and, and she, she had a plan that made sense. She said, I'll help you get your first few clients. I'll help you with a plan. Um, and she said, set a date, set a date for a month or two in the future and let's make this happen. And I said, yes, and, you know, so my, my tweet is like, just pay attention when somebody says something to you and they're really smart and they, and they can help you like take that advice. Uh, you never know what, what's going to happen. I, I would still be, I'd still be working that job. I'd still be playing jazz and like, you know what I mean? If I didn't listen to her. So that inflection point that was part of this great advice and Dory Clark is amazing. She has helped both of us mm-hmm. and, and, what did cause you to take it and do it? You know, I think I think it's a combination of things. I had just turned 30. Um, I had just gone through, I, I had played Carnegie Hall. I had actually rented out Carnegie Hall, um, wow. which was, by the way, to play Carnegie Hall and pay your band and everything else. It, it, it's, it's a $40,000 <laughs> 
tab to do that. Um, and I was, I was making about 15 grand a year. Um, just, just to give you the context of that. Um, I was coming home with 15 grand a year after everything, uh, expenses, et cetera. So, um, I think, and, and, you know, I wasn't, I was already at the top of my career and I wasn't earning enough. I wasn't making much. I wasn't happy. I wasn't healthy. You know, there was really nothing, nothing, there was nothing next for me. So I realized I needed to make a change. And I think Dory just got me at the right moment. Mm. And, you know, when you talk about making a change, Mm -hmm. you were a musician. Now you're doing, helping individuals build their online presence. Do you still get to do music or did it really require you radically shifting how you spent your time? Well, I shifted away from music for a couple of years. Um, I, for, for a variety of reasons, it was, it was kind of a, a difficult time in the climate. Me too was happening. You know, it, it was just a rough couple of years in, in the music world. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to build my business. I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try being an entrepreneur and, uh, enter Dory Clark again, Dory, um, she did the BMI musical theater, uh, intensive, uh, and she said, you know what, I want to, I want to be a, a Broadway writer. Do you want to do this with me? And at first I said, no, I said that that chapter of my life is closed. Um, I'm not an artist anymore. Mm. And um, she finally con- one day she convinced me, she's like, you know what, let's go to Broadway together. Let's do this. And so now I do, I still write music. It's different. I write theatrical music now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's more collaborative. It's just, it, it works better for my life now because I can do it kind of anytime, that sort of thing. It doesn't require quite the same kind of practice as being a jazz musician. Yeah. So, you know, my focus is around power and influence. And, and I would say that, that you and many of your clients, but particularly you, mm-hmm. as you moved through this journey that we talked about, built power and influence. Um, people listen to you, seek you out. Uh, depend mm-hmm. on you. I mean, do you agree with that observation or, you know, how do you, how did you build that power? Well, um, I did, you know, I didn't know what quite what path I would be on when I got started. You know, I was a virtual assistant. Um, so basically the difference between what I do now and a virtual assistant is that somebody would hire me and, you know, I might be doing scheduling. I might be writing their tweets for them. I might be doing podcast outreach. I might be doing, you know, I might be making phone calls for them, right? There's like a variety of things. But over time, people started coming to me for kind of the more influence side of things. And I think, I think the, the, the transition from being a musician, which is very entrepreneurial and you have to be able to promote yourself, I think it just was a natural fit. And, you know, there's power in, in helping somebody else gain their power. There's influence in be able, being able to um, uplift somebody else's influence. Yeah. Yes. Say more about that because we often think of power as taking, uh, yeah. as using, as being very negative. Here you framed it as, you know, helping others. So say more about how you did that. Like as a virtual assistant, you said they were coming to you. So how did you, how did they know to come to you? How did they see the things that you could do? Um, well, first of all, I was very lucky. Some of my first clients just kind of, kind of trusted me to, to try a few things. Right. Um, one of my very first clients, um, Dory actually hooked me up with them and said, this person is looking to be on a Ted stage. I think you're smart. I think you can figure it out. Right. So there was a level of trust 
that happened right off the bat. And I, I do think that some of my kind of natural instincts as a, as an artist, as a creative person, um, lent themselves to the promotion, the influence, all of that. Um, you know, the, the leveraging the digital, uh, platform for people, but in terms of power being, uh, a helping thing. I mean, I, I've found that the rising tide lifts, mm. lifts all the boats. Right. So if, if I, I can't, I can't write all the books, <laughs> I can't give all the Ted talks, but my clients can. Right. And so that kind of exponentiates mm -hmm. the, the power and the influence that I can have on the world. Yeah. You know, you, you do share a lot about kind of your personal life and what's going on um, mm -hmm. out on social media. And as a coach, particularly in organizations, I actually yeah. encourage people to, to think twice about what they're sharing, particularly on the personal side, because it can sometimes come back and bite them on the butt um, in specific mm -hmm. contexts. So much of us is out there and you've chosen to share a lot about yourself. Do you have hesitations around that? In, in what ways has really sharing, I would say, a lot of your whole self helped or not helped you? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And it's something that I hear a lot because people are, you know, that, that it's a real question, right? How much do you want to put out there? And what are you okay with a potential employer seeing or a potential client seeing or, you know, um, some somebody who might not take you seriously, right? Um, so for me, it's about transparency and honesty mm -hmm. um, to put to put things about myself. And of course, you know, we all edit right? We all edit the image that we're going to put out there. And of course I do it too. I don't put the dirty laundry out there, but I think there's um, trust building that happens when you are transparent, mm. right? And when you share what's online. And if you're a coach, for example, or a consultant like me, people, they work with you because you're an expert, but they also work with you because there's rapport, there's mm. trust, there's you know, um, relationship building that happens, there's partnership. And what you put out there online is, that's the foundation for that. That gets people to start trusting you. Yeah, I think it's a really good point about the rapport and the trust that you build. And what I, what I heard you say there also is there's transparency, but you're also curating and thinking mm -hmm. strategically about what you do share. Is that yeah. fair characterization? Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and I can't tell you the amount of times I, you know, I put a lot out there about my artistic life. I do a lot of artistic side hustle stuff. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to create my next project and that sort of thing. Putting that out there, you'd be surprised. I mean, some of my most corporate clients, like I'll get on a call with them and they'll be like, so how's the musical going? You know, um, and it just kind of, it, it helps them see kind of what what the the method behind the madness is and kind of mm. how my brain works a little bit and you'd be surprised that that's led to some really great collaborations even though what I'm doing for a client is more corporate leaning or more professional professional leaning right so let's shift from your personal to now your role as CEO you've got a team you run a mm -hmm. business have a lot of great clients and my comment in the introduction was that People think, ah, yeah, online, it's easy. You just throw stuff out there and, and it happens. Um, why is going online a, a good thing in terms of how it can really benefit you? And maybe you've got some examples and, you know. Just 
the other day I was talking to a potential client who was like, well, why do I actually have to do this? You know, why do I have to be posting on LinkedIn consistently? Can't I post once a month? Mm. You know, um, can't you help me post once a month? And I was like, no, we have to be consistent and get in front of the algorithm and everything like that. Um, online, especially in the last three, three years with COVID, this is part of our ecosystem, mm. right? It's part of the professional landscape and it's where people look for things, right? It's where your clients are. And so you have to be there as well. Otherwise you're missing out, right? Um, I remember early in the pandemic, I spoke with somebody who said, yeah, I'm not going to move my coaching to Zoom. I'm just, I'm going to continue coaching in person. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know where that person is. Uh, you know, maybe they've made the shift, but the landscape has changed. So in order for us to stay relevant, we have to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, and if we take kind of an airplane view here, you do again, speak with hundreds of people who consider building a strong presence. I imagine, is there one big misnomer or myth that they often have that you want to just bust up front here? <laughs> yeah. It's that um, we can control what what goes viral and what people want to see. You mean we right? can't control it? <laughs> You're talking to a type A personality. Many of my clients believe they can control their entire destiny and it can be distilled down to an algorithm. So not possible. Nope. Sorry. I apologize to all the type A, myself included. I, I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard, why didn't this do better? You know, and it's it's a specific thing, right? And the answer is because you never know what, what people are going to want from you, mm. right? And it's kind of like it, it uh, online is a really great testing ground for the market because it is your market, right? So yeah. um, you may think your business is X, you may think your offering is X, but somebody ends up coming to you and wants to pay you for Y, right? And it's the same thing. So, you know, you might be talking about your coaching and it turns out that's, that what people really need from you is something on resilience or, or whatever the case is. So you have to test things and you never know what the algorithm is going to pick up. Mm. So you can be strategic about it and you can try things. And if something does go viral, you want to make sure you don't post anything too important, too close to it, all of that. But part, part of my job is to hold the testing ground and see what works. You've been listening to 97% Effective with your host, executive coach, Michael Winderoff. If this interview is making you think, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, back to our interview. I like this idea of that it's a testing ground and that's actually helped a bunch of my clients. And I think about this mm -hmm. when I used to write, you know, 20, 30 years ago, <laughs> you never knew how it landed with people. Maybe you got a box right. of letters from the editor. I literally got those when I wrote pieces. Now you can very quickly see what's resonating. It may take your business and you could pivot faster in, in different directions. Exactly. Is, is there a, a quick way for someone to know that, hey, it's not time yet to build an online presence? Or is it always a good time to do that? My feeling is it's always a good time to do it. Um, there are going to be times when it's more effective and less effective, right? But um, even if you start out and you have 100 LinkedIn followers, for example, or, you know, 25 Instagram followers, I don't know, I'm making this up, but, you know, you're probably going to have a very small pool at first, but messaging is is always a good thing. It, it keeps people 
used to hearing from you. Um, you know, it keeps, it keeps you top of mind and it's actually a very good thing to start that before you, even before you have an offer, before you have a Ted talk or a book or anything like that, you want to get people used to hearing from you. Mm -hmm. And then over time you make that pool bigger. I see. So starting small, getting feedback, exactly. and then that can send you in a direction that more meets the, the yeah. market. And, and if online does make sense, I know there are many parts to this, but if you boiled it down because you have had successful clients, probably some not so successful ones, but what, mm -hmm. what separates them? What's the biggest difference between what they do or don't do? That's a really great question. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing for me, what separates success from non-success or, you know, I will say radical success from just, just okay. Right. Or just, you know, somewhat successful, right, is being open to that pivot, mm. right? To be open to see, you know, we put a week's worth of content out there, what worked, what didn't. We put a month's worth of content out there, what worked, what didn't, right? To be, and, and then if something you thought was going to work doesn't, you have to be willing to shift and you have to be willing to learn from that. And it's not a bad thing, you know, it's, it's, I, I still do it. I still put things out there. I think they're going to do great and they fall flat. That's okay. You just have to be willing to to see see what happened and also maybe maybe rethink your approach. Yeah, and I think this makes a lot of sense and we see a lot of influencers out there. It's clearly helped you know your business and those of your clients. Just for a second, you know, we also hear that the the internet is this big echo chamber, right? Or mm -hmm. there's these all these vanity numbers out there. How do you separate if you're just kind of talking to people, the same people that your message mm -hmm. out there is just getting likes, but it doesn't translate into business? Is there some way to, to make sure you're, you're, you're really testing or you're really going to get clients? That's a really good question. So the thing about social media is it's a top of funnel activity. So as long as, you know, what we can control is the top right? Mm. That's the engagement, the comments, the likes, the are people reaching out, all of that. So numbers are important, metrics are important, but the qualitative, I think, is even more important, right? Are people starting conversations? Are they, you know, emailing you saying, hey, that was great. I have a question. Or, you know, are, are they reaching out and saying, hey, I'd like to work with you? That's kind mm. of the holy grail, right? But in order for you to get clients from social media, just as an example, you do need to have the rest of the funnel working, right? You have to be able to have conversations. You have to, you know, have have a good place for them to go to download a lead magnet or get on your newsletter or, you know, book a call with you or all of the above. Okay. So those parts are really important then to thinking about the mm -hmm. whole picture and that visual of this fits at the top of the funnel right. is quite useful, but you need to have the whole funnel. Otherwise, exactly. uh, it doesn't exactly. translate. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so back to a point earlier, and I wanted to ask you this. I, I recently had this opportunity to big, you know, in the same room interviewing a massive influencer. It was a closed door leadership meeting. So I can't, so I can't talk about who they yeah. were, et cetera. <laughs> but, and she has a massive presence. She's very well known around the world. And she shares a ton online that's very personal. Um, and she shared that, even though it does come across that's very personal, 
she's still very strategic about what she shares and she's trying to create a specific brand or image. Mm-hmm. For, for many of my clients or listeners out there, they feel like that's a, ah, this feels very manipulative. Um, you know, we're, we're doing these things to create us, you know, get to a certain goal that, that they may have. I know you touched on this in terms of your personal, yeah. but your clients must encounter this. Any thoughts on that? So in terms of the manipulative piece, um, <laughs> I, I think people are always going to have their opinions, you know, and, and one of the things about social media, especially as you get bigger, you know, and I'm assuming this person has six figure followings or maybe even yeah. seven, seven figure following somewhere, right? Everybody's going to have an opinion about that. <laughs> um you know, I, I I was doing a musical workshop and somebody said, uh, one of the leaders said to me, don't try to go to Broadway unless you're okay with people digging things up, having opinions about you, posting about you, saying, saying mean stuff, right? It's that kind of thing. You just kind of have to realize that that's going to come with the territory, um, you know, and I, I don't, without knowing who you're talking about, sure. you know, I... I I could imagine that the the people saying manipulative are haters, probably. <laughs> you know? um, but she's being strategic. That's uh-huh. that's what I would imagine too, right? Like letting people into the parts of, the, of her life that she's comfortable with. Um, for the right people, that's going to resonate, right. right? For the for the right, and not everybody's your your person, right? Not everybody's your people. For the right people, that's going to feel really good. And for the wrong people, they're going to say, well, oh, what she do? Oh, here she goes again, right? So um, at that level, you kind of have to be okay with that. Yeah. So it's just accepting that you're going to get yeah. criticism, It or is there another way, particularly since you've been on stage, you've done a lot of these mm-hmm. things. How does one toughen up and have a thick skin? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. How so do I- you do it? <laughs> I have worked political campaigns before. Okay. You know, and I have, um, I've worked, I've done some work for um, social justice nonprofits and things like that. Um, Those are situations where you are going to, you need to, those are a breeding ground to get tougher skin (laughs) really quickly. Right. You know, and I can tell you like my, the political campaign that I worked a few years ago, we were up at one o'clock in the morning, sometimes like deleting people's comments and, you know, reporting fake profiles that were made on behalf of my client and stuff like that. Like there, there, there are situations where that's more likely to happen. Mm. Um, You know, in the corporate world, that happens less. (laughs) It happens a lot less. Um, But, you know, once, once you get into that and it happens a couple of times, it's, you kind of, I hate to say you get used to it, but you get used to it. Um, You have been to the school of hard knocks, Marie. I have been to the school of hard knocks. You know, and and the rest is what you're comfortable with. I have a client who is brilliant at arguing with people. Like he's just so good at, you know, somebody says, oh, wow, you're an idiot. And he and he tells them all the reasons that he's not and wins the argument. And I'm, I, I, I just think it's wonderful and brilliant. That's not me. I'd rather just mm. delete and block, honestly, you right. know, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, there is that old saying that any news is good news, even yeah. if it's it creates yeah. and goes viral, it will get probably more likes from the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. You so. know, and, and I, I, it sounds cliche, but it's true. If you have a hater, people are paying attention. Hmm. So, 
you know, you, as long as you didn't say anything absolutely terrible, that that's, you know, going to get you canceled or something like that. Like the fact that you have people like jumping on and piling on is actually a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I also have to ask because this question comes up a lot for those who are considering going into online bigger, you know, the time that has spent, and we live in yeah. this world now of distractions and it's 24 um, seven. Clearly they could work with someone like your team that, that helps manage a lot of that. But is there a key so that social media doesn't just chop up your life and distract you? Is there a, a way to manage that effectively? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, one way is to, is to have, you know, some support, right. Um, you know, to kind of help parse out, you know, just post this or, or answer to these comments or whatever the case is. The biggest thing, and I have trouble with this too. So sometimes I need to kind of take my own medicine is don't scroll. Don't, mm. don't get involved in the feeds because it, it, it can, you know, especially on, platforms like Instagram and TikTok where everything's very picture-based and videos and and it's very distracting and very loud. Sometimes, you know, you open up TikTok and a, and a, and a song's playing and things like that. And an hour can go by and you're just scrolling, right? So my advice is like, be really disciplined about that. Get in, get out. If you're mm -hmm. posting for yourself, if, if you have to reply to comments, reply to comments, but don't stick around in the, in the, in the noise because you can spend three, four hours a day on social media. Yeah. And I think we could triple your business add up another couple <laughs> million. If you could say how we could do that for our kids. I know yeah, that is exactly. a pain point for me because the TikTok <laughs> opens and it is crazy. If I can crack it, I will come back and I will tell you and we'll build a new a new business out of that. Bottle it up because that is, uh, yeah, most of my clients all have kids and so they are living through that themselves yeah. as parents. Um, Marie, this has been a fantastic conversation. Likewise. Very informative. Has there been a question that I haven't asked that you think is important that I should have asked? And then go ahead and answer it. Yeah, I mean, the big one of the big questions I, that I tend to get is like, what's the one thing I should do? Mm. You know, it, it, is it do I do guesting on podcasts? Do I do LinkedIn? Do I try to do a TED Talk? Do I, you know, just go on TikTok? My answer to that is, you really can't just do one thing these days. You should do many things over time, mm. right? Because there are different audiences in different places, and so. You know, and by the way, if you can only do one, do one, mm -hmm. you know, go to the, the primary place that your clients are, you know, start there, stay there for six months, learn to do it really well, and then build. Um, that's my advice. Um, but really plan on doing many things over time because the little things add up. I like that. The little things add up. And, and you're referring to here those specific different mediums you're on or the way you're exactly. testing things. Okay. Yeah. And also, you know, just using podcasts as an example, right? Like a lot of people will come to me and say, well, can you get me on Joe Rogan? And the answer is probably not. Right. Or can you get me on the James Altucher show? No, but the, the, the podcasts that have 500 really dedicated listeners, if you do 10 of those, you have a real following behind you. So Marie, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got to 
ultra busy schedule and it's been a pleasure to kind of unpack these insights. Your website, you're on social media, but how is the, the best way people should reach you or follow you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So uh, my website is incontrera.com. It's my last name, I-N-C-O-N-T-R-E-R-A.com. Um, and you can find me with my full name anywhere on social. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the things. Yeah. So I would say that's the key. So if we Google you in, you appear. I'm findable. <laughs> you might find music stuff first, but, but I am findable. I promise. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. What a great conversation. Thanks for listening to 97% Effective, where we skip happy talk and help you break through and ascend one hard truth at a time. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, you can get free resources, including the first chapters of Michael's book, Get Promoted on his website, www.changwinderoth.com. That's www.changwenderoth.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.